When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Marnie Vinge, and this is Erioki. Join me and my friends as we explore the darker side of the Sooner State. I'm Marnie Vinge, and this is Erioki. And tonight we're recording super late because that's my fault, but um, I'm joined by none other than my lovely mother once again. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so um, before we get started, what what series have you been super into lately? Outlander? Yes, Outlander. <laughs> so, um, oh my gosh, that show is so good. It it's, is. It's crazy because I read that years ago. Like, I think I read that right around the time of the 2007 ice storm um, because I was reading Dragonfly and Amber when our power went out. And I remember that very specifically. Um, And I remember taking it to the diner and like grandpa was there and I was sitting there reading Dragonfly and Amber like while we're sitting at the diner. But um, watching it, I had forgotten like how dark it is. It's very dark. Yeah. Like Blackjack Randall is crazy. Like, he's a serial killer. He's like a psychopath. He has no redeeming qualities. No, he doesn't. That's like, I I don't know. But that show, oh my gosh, it's so, 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 so good. And it's kind of funny because tonight we're going to be talking about something that part of the folklore does come from Scotland. So I thought that you'd enjoy that since Outlander is your current favorite thing. I will enjoy that. Yeah. So this week we're going to be talking about something that I've always associated with fall and spooky things, but I hadn't really ever looked at the definition of it or anything like that um, and how that thing ties into Oklahoma. So we're going to be talking about Will-o'-the-Wisps and the Hornet Spooklight. Um, So have you ever heard of Will-o'-the-Wisps? You know, the thing that springs to my mind when I hear Mm Will-o'-the-Wisp is the sound of music. Oh, yeah, there's, isn't that mentioned in the because song? Because the Reverend Mother is singing a song, How Do You Solve a Problem Like Maria? Yeah. And she calls her a will-o'-the-wisp. Oh, well, that's kind of mean, especially, like, given what we now know about them. I know. It's kind of a negative like, connotation, and it's damn. sort of like... I mean, it's in the same line with Fliberty Gibbet and Clown, so... Yeah, so... (laughs) Those kind of lighten it up. (laughs) Yeah, she didn't mean it in a nice way, basically, is what you're telling me. Um, I remember it... So, I remember that term... I don't know if it's in Sleepy Hollow or what, but, like, I, for some reason, associate it with, like, that old animated Ichabod Crane thing. It could be. Which makes sense, since the Headless Horseman, like, has a jack-o'-lantern for his head, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah. So we'll we'll get into that though. You mean but that he carries under his arm. Yes, he puts it <laughs> under his arm. Yeah, all that. Um, so anyway, so will o' the wisp. So what is a will o' the wisp, and where did they come from? That's a super fun word to say. Like I am, 
I, I really like that. And I had a lot of fun researching this one because it's it's really cool. And there's like some cool stuff at the end about an investigation in Oklahoma that I'll get to talk about. But um, so anyway, basically it's a spooky light that you might see while traveling the road at night. And it's thought that these lights are, an e are evil in nature and are meant to guide you off your chosen path. Um, and it's also like... And another place I think that I probably have got that term embedded in my mind is from literature, like probably from college, like literature analysis and all that, because it, in literature, it's basically a term for false hope. Uh, and it's a false hope that's also got something malevolent going on with it, like false hope that gives you bad vibes kind of a thing. Um, so it's like the character, oh, they found a way out, but it's creepy. And like, is it really going to be their salvation, you know? Um, but anyway, according to Wikipedia, the term Will-o'-the-Wisp was coined thus. The term Will-o'-the-Wisp comes from wisp, a bundle of sticks or paper sometimes used as a torch, and the name Will, like proper name Will, thus meaning Will of the Torch. Um, I didn't know that until I started reading about these things, and there's a Latin terminology, which we'll get into the, why this is funny, but, um, it's ignis fatus, or giddy flame, um, I kind of like that giddy flame even better than like will of the torch. But, uh, what's funny about that though, is that they did not have a word for that in ancient Rome. The Latin was used to legitimize the first like mention of it, which was in the 1500s by a German, uh, philosopher, I believe. And so they gave it a Latin name to like, be like, look, this is official. Like this is real. Um, I liked the German meaning wandering light. I like that too. Yeah. And the German word is, uh, Ehrlicht or Ehr I don't know how to say that. Like German basically or wandering light. Yeah. Um, and you'll also be like excited to know that other terms that mean the same thing, Friar's lantern, hinky punk, ghost candles, hobby lantern, and you guessed it, jack-o'-lantern. I think my favorite might be hinky punk. <laughs> well, that you know that that was used in Harry Potter, right? No. Yeah. Yeah. What was it? Uh, it was a little, what? I can't remember which book it was primarily mentioned in, but it was like hinky punks. And I think it was like <clears throat> some care of magical creatures thing, maybe, or maybe something to do with Gilderoy Lockhart. I'm not really sure, but it was used in that. And, uh, Will-o'-the-Wisps were also used in the Lord of the Rings. So when they got to like the marshes, which I cannot think of the name right now, <laughs> they, um, Gollum basically tells them, don't follow the lights or you're going to end up a ghost just like the people that are holding them and you'll have a candle of your own to hold, basically. So it's, I mean, like throughout literature and everything like that, it's, you know, been used and used and used and, how, how can you go wrong with Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, in the, in folklore, like within folklore, uh, jack-o'-lanterns or ghost candles or will-o'-the-wisps have become associated with elemental spirits and fairies. Um, so in folklore from Ireland, Scotland, Wales, Appalachia, and Newfoundland, I love that Appalachia is part of that because I feel like there's a lot of really good folklore there. Um, this is what it says. In these tales, protagonists named either Will or Jack are doomed to haunt the marshes with a light for some misdeed. One version from Shropshire 
I'm probably not saying that right, um, Shropshire, I don't know, um, is recounted by Briggs in a dictionary of fairies and refers to Will Smith, not from Independence Day. Um, <laughs> Will is a wicked blacksmith who is given a second chance by St. Peter at the gates of heaven, but leads such a bad life that he ends up being doomed to wander the earth. The devil provides him with a single burning coal with which to warm himself, which he then uses to lure foolish travelers into the marshes. Um, in another version that deals with our beloved jack-o'-lanterns, and it's almost spooky season, um, an Irish version of the tale has a ne'er-do-well named Drunk Jack or Stingy Jack, who, when the devil comes to collect his soul, tricks him into turning into a coin so he can pay for his one last drink. When the devil obliges, Jack places him in his pocket next to a crucifix, preventing him from returning to his original form. In exchange for his freedom, the devil grants Jack ten more years of life. When the term expires, the devil comes to collect his due, but Jack tricks him again by making him climb a tree and then carving a cross underneath, preventing him from climbing down. In exchange for removing the cross, the devil forgives Jack's debt. However, no one as bad as Jack would ever be allowed into heaven. So Jack is forced upon his death to travel to hell and ask for a place there. The devil denies him entrance in revenge, but grants him an ember from the fires of hell to light his way through the twilight, twilight world to which lost souls are forever condemned, Jack places it in a carved turnip to serve as a lantern. So, like, I've seen this stuff about how, it, like, historically, jack-o'-lanterns were turnips. And have you seen the pictures of them? Yes. They're really creepy. Like, they're yes. all, they're worse than pumpkins. Yes. Way worse. Definitely. Um, which makes me think of when Andreas was here, and we carved the pumpkins. And um, so, Andreas is my cousin from Norway, and... When we carved pumpkins, I, like, bought us a pumpkin carving thing because, you know, like, most most Americans, like, are not going to go at a pumpkin with, like, a butcher knife, but he did. And I was like, I don't know if you want to do that. He's like, no, 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 I got this. And I'm like, have you ever done this before? And he's like, no, this is my first time. I got this. It's fine. And he used, like, a huge-ass butcher knife to carve his pumpkin, and he did a really good job, but I was really afraid that we were about to complete his American experience with a trip to the hospital. So that was, that was super fun. But, um, there was something I was going to say about this. Oh, uh, this is kind of interesting because I like not until probably the last year or so have I really understood that fairies are kind of scary. I know what you mean. Yeah. I always, fairies, Tinkerbell used to, well, you know, they used to conjure up this idea of sweet and good and helpful and granting you a wish even maybe or something like that. Yeah. But you know, when you think about Tinkerbell, she was a little stinker. Was she? Oh, yeah. I she, don't really remember. Yeah, she, uh, let's see, she, I remember she was jealous upset. of Wendy. Yeah. That Peter liked Wendy. Yeah, I remember that. And so, what did she do? She did something, yeah. you know, mischievous. Yeah. She wasn't evil or anything right. like that. But she, you know, she kind of had an attitude. I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but, like, I do not watch Disney movies. And I, you know this. Like, you know that I don't watch Disney movies. But they stress me out so much more. Like, I would rather watch a show about Ted Bundy. Because it stresses me out less than watching, like, children and animals in peril. You know, like, it, there's something about a Disney movie that just, like, it's, I, I just, I, there's, it's so emotional, and, like, I don't like, I'm like, how dare you make me feel my own feelings, that kind of thing. Like, I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to mess with this. This is. And, and the 
the people in it, the kids are always... They're cute. They're either orphans already yeah. or they end up orphans. Even the so, animal kids, yes. like Bambi. Yes. Yeah, like, oh. Oh, man, Bambi. And Simba? I mean, it scarred me. So I saw this TikTok recently that um, it was this guy talking about the Lion King, and he was telling... Um, that he just recently kind of put this all together and it blew my mind. And I sent it to Whitney and Whitney was like, thanks, you ruined my childhood. And anyway, so if you love The Lion King and you don't want your childhood ruined, like skip forward maybe a minute or two. But um, so this guy, you know how like Mufasa gets killed and um, the wildebeests are there and like you see his body, like Simba goes to his body, you know, like after the wildebeests are gone. Well, then I think, isn't he like gone? Like when they go back there or something, like his body's gone. But I don't remember that in the cave where Scar is, is a lion skeleton. That's what he's got on his hand when he's singing. Like it's a lion skull. It's that a, is not funny. It's not, it's not meant to be funny. It's meant to be true. It is sick and twisted, and I you do look not it believe it. You look it up. He's the skull on his hand is a lion skull, and Zazu like crawls through the skeleton. You look it up. I am not making this up. Oh my god! Of course, I got it from like the fount of all truth TikTok. So, well, but I mean, there were clips from the movie and stuff, and I, you know, but yeah, do with that info what you will, people. So yeah, that just Scar maybe ate his brother. Which I'm okay with, like. I'm not okay with Scar eating his brother. Mufasa was so good. No, I just mean, like, in the general storytelling storytelling sense. Like, I think, I mean, Scar was evil, like. Scar was evil. Yeah, but, yeah, so um, back to the jack-o'-lantern and the turnips, like. Hey, I die. It's going to be a minute before I can get can back get, to that. Can get back to that? Okay, <laughs> so back to that, um. I'm kind of embarrassed that I've never really read that before. Like that legend about Jack and his head and like, or his little turnip with the light and all that stuff. Like I had never really known that that's where that came from. Did you? Well, I did know. I didn't remember the character, obviously. I guess, obviously, his name would have to be Jack if mm -hmm. that's where Jack Lantern came from. But I did remember the person having to carve a turnip, that that was the start of the Jack Lantern. Yeah, I, that I'd was the first that. light. Yeah. I'd heard that, but I didn't know, like, anything beyond no, just that. No, I didn't. I had no idea he'd been playing tricks on the devil. What do you expect? <laughs> what do you expect um what i what i love about that though is like that's that's pretty dark like that's like that's a cool little halloween story nugget for you so there tell you all go. your friends <laughs> i'm sure they'd love that um so also it's make worth making note of the fact that in europe these uh the will of the wisps or um jack-o'-lanterns or whatever you want to call them they were also sometimes believed to be the spirits of unbaptized or stillborn children, which is so spooky. So is the if if they were thought of in that way, were they evil, malevolent, bad? I don't think so because I'm thinking like like Jack is just wandering the twilight world, which is like basically where lost souls are forever condemned to but isn't there some kind of thing in like 
Catholicism where they can baptize a child that is that dies before they are saved or confirmed or whatever it is. I don't know. I know that Mormons like baptize dead people of other religions to like save them or what it's yeah. So um but yeah. Not familiar with this. Yeah, so that's kinda that's a fun fact. Um but yeah, uh I don't know. And in Sweden the these could also be adults that were just not saved. They could be like they just died and and I don't think that necessarily would make them evil, just that they were a lost soul kind of a thing, like purgatory almost. Um but I mean I don't know. I was preferring that they not be evil. Yeah, probably. <laughs> if, they, if they were stillborn children and <laughs> yeah, unbaptized children or whatever. But and there were several European countries for whom the will of the wisp represented lost treasure. Um, it was thought that if you could follow the light and find treasure deep underwater, you could follow it and find treasure deep underwater or in the ground. Um, but you could only take the treasure when the fire was there. Which I love that part because, like. I'm pretty sure the thing is that you never find it actually. Like you never actually come upon the will o' the wisp. It's the pot of gold at the end of the yeah. Rainbow. Like you're never you're not gonna find it. Yeah. Um. And something that was interesting that they said about that, like sometimes there were magical tricks, and even like you needed things like a dead man's hand or like this, that, or the other to help you complete your quest of like finding the jack o' lantern so that you could get your treasure or whatever. Um, and then from Wikipedia, it was believed that when someone hid treasure in the ground, he made the treasure available only at the St. John's day, um, and set, and set will of the wisp to mark the exact place and time so that he could come back, come take the treasure back from, for then he could be fulfilled with treasures. When is St. John's day? I'm not sure. I'm going to look. I just looked that up. Um, it's midsummer the exact dates vary among different cultures but is primarily held close to the summer solstice Mm. sounds sounds witchy seems like a time when they could come back and well treasure yeah um yeah especially like it's the longest day of the year so it's like you've got longer to search for it before the night falls and then the spookies are gonna get you but um, going back to the literary nature of the Will of the Wisp, uh, stories from Britain often painted the light as something with a malevolent nature. They believed the light to be something called fairy fire and believed that it was held in the hand of a, I believe it's pronounced Puka, which is a small goblin-like fairy that mischievously leads uh, lone travelers off the beaten path at night. That sounds pleasant. Um, it is, and, uh, like goblin, like that kind of, that part, like I think of the goblins in Harry Potter, but yeah. So, um, it is said that as the person follows this mysterious light through the bog or graveyard, which those are places that it was likely to be seen, which I think is kind of interesting given the scientific explanation that we'll get to later. But, um, the puka would suddenly put the light out, leaving the person following it lost. Um, here is a tale from the book British Goblins by Wirt Sykes. I believe this is a paraphrasing perhaps and not the direct passage, but here it goes. A peasant traveling home at dusk sees a bright light traveling along ahead of him. Looking closer, he sees that the light is a lantern held by a dusky little figure, which he follows for several miles. All of a sudden, he finds himself standing on the edge of a vast chasm with a roaring torrent of water rushing below him. At that precise moment, the lantern carrier leaps across the gap, 
lifts the light over its head, lets out a malicious laugh, and blows out the light, leaving the poor peasant a long way from home, standing in pitch darkness at the edge of a precipice. This is a fairly common cautionary tale concerning the phenomena. However, the ignis fatus was not always considered dangerous. There are some tales told about the will-o'-the-wisp being guardians of treasure, much like the Irish leprechaun, like you said, leading those brave enough to follow them to sure riches. Other stories tell of travelers getting lost in the woodland and coming upon the will of the wisp, coming upon a will of the wisp. Um, and depending on how they treated the will of the wisp, the spirit would either get them lost further in the woods or guide them out. I kind of like that, that you've got to be nice. Got a chance there. Yeah. Yeah. Same. So that's that's another little interpretation. And this one is for you, um, the Scottish interpretation uh, for those fans of Outlander. So uh, the Will-o'-the-Wisp was also known as the Spunky in the Scottish Highlands where it would take the form of a link boy, a boy who carried a flaming torch to light the way for pedestrians in exchange for a fee, or else simply a light that always seemed to recede in order to lead unwary travelers to their doom. The Spunky has also been blamed for shipwrecks at night, after being spotted on land and mistaken for a harbor light. Other tales of Scottish folklore regard these mysterious lights as omens of death or the ghosts of once living human beings. They often appeared over locks or the, on roads along which funeral processions were known to travel. A strange light sometimes seen in the Hebrides. I don't know how to say that. I think it's Hebrides. Hebrides. Oh, okay. The, the Outlander scholars here. <laughs> Um, uh, is referred to as the Tyne Sith or fairy light, though there was no formal connection between it and the fairy race. So you can just imagine those lights in the Scottish Highlands. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, it made me think of like, uh, when they're talking about how the Scottish people like are superstitious Mm -hmm. and they're like, it's the English, like making fun of them basically. But they are pretty, I mean, like, there's that episode, that episode or that scene where Dougal makes her drink from the Spring of Truth and is like, oh, well, now now I believe you, like, based on this drink that she just had. And she's like, oh, my God, so you're going to kill me if, like, I, if that didn't work, you know, whatever. But, yeah, so fairies in Scotland. Um, and then this, this is the bummer. So natural explanations. Um, there's some scientific explanations for what you might be seeing out there in the bogs, marshes, or graveyards of your choosing. Um, this, however, really surprised me. So one of the first references to these lights possibly being natural in origin came from a book written in 1596, where the author says, many times candles and small fires appear in the night and seem to run up and down. Sometimes these fires go alone in the night season and put such as they such as see them as they travel by night in great fear. But these things and many such like have their natural cause, causes. Natural philosophers write that thick exhalations arise out of the earth and are kindled. Mines full of sulfur and brimstone in the air, if the air enter unto it as it lieth in the holes and veins of the earth will kindle on fire and strive to get out. So this book, like, okay, so first of all, I think the titles of books from, like, the Middle Ages were amazing. This is the title. I will tell you when I'm done reading it. Of ghosts and spirits walking by night and of strange noises, cracks and sundry forewarnings, which commonly happen before the death of men, great slaughters, and alterations of kingdoms. <laughs> That's the title. 
<laughs> so, um, and it was written by Ludwig Lavater. Um, and this particular passage comes from a chapter that is titled that many natural things are taken to be ghosts. Um, and I kind of wonder if he was burned at the stake after writing this. Like, you know what I mean? Sounds like a, a candidate for it in that time. Speaking of which, there uh, it reminds me of that quote at the beginning of that documentary that we watched about UFOs. So there's a documentary on Discovery Plus called The Phenomenon, and it's all about UFOs. It's got so much good stuff in it that I had never heard of, like uh, cases in the U.S. and stuff like that. And um, it's really, really good. But at the beginning, there is a quote from, uh, I think he was an astronomer, maybe, something, Way, 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 like around this time. And he basically was like, y'all are all going to wake up one day and realize that I was right and we're not alone in the universe. And he was burned at the stake for heresy. But like, he's right. So it's, it, and it's really like weird because you're reading it and you're thinking this is somebody like talking today. And then the year pops up and you're like, oh, holy shit. Like, wow. And then it says he got burned at the stake. But yeah. So, uh, and that guy, like... Basically, um, that theory is what stands today. There's also a theory that the spook light type phenomenon may occur as a result of sightings of bioluminescent organisms like fireflies and the like. Um, There are also some bioluminescent fungi as well, but I'm thinking if it is the bioluminescent creatures, it's going to be one that can fly because if it's fungi, you just keep walking and you find it. You know, like it's not going to run away. Makes sense. Um, The most commonly held belief in science today is this. Um, In modern science, it is generally accepted that the -the will-o'-the-wisp phenomena, ignis fatus, are caused by the oxidation of phosphine, diphosphane, and methane. These compounds produced by organic decay can cause photon emissions. And um, when they hit the air, they spontaneously ignite um, with contact uh, with the oxygen in the air. Um... And, and it kind of makes, I, it, I didn't find anything about this. This is just me like speculating, but it makes sense to me with like the places people seeing them being like bogs and graveyards and stuff like that. Cause it's like it's probably some gases rising out of the bogs and the marshes and graveyards. Um, yeah. Yeah. So good. Oh, good point. Oh no, not, not really. I'm, I'm somewhat of a scientist myself. <laughs> Um, so anyway, the Hornet spook light. Um, so this is where we get into this being about Oklahoma. So the Hornet spook light is described as a single ball of light or a tight grouping of lights that is said to appear in the area regularly, usually at night. Um, this light is seen in an area known as devil's promenade, which lies on the border of Oklahoma and Missouri. Um, apparently it's easier to get to the location from the Missouri side, but it's easier to spot the light if you're a little further off on the Oklahoma side. Um, it appears regularly at night and is usually one ball of light or two or three. Also, it's worth noting that this is the only place where we call the phenomenon a spook light. And the legend here asserts that a legend involving the ghosts of two young Native American lovers is the origin of the lights. Um, so some of the history on this, I found this on Wikipedia. Um, according to most accounts, it has appeared continually since the late 19th century, although it was generally not well known to anyone but locals until after World War II. Some date the first encounters with the light back to the Trail of Tears in the 1830s. The first documented sighting is generally accepted to have occurred in 1881, although some report sightings as far back as 1866. The earliest published report dates to 1936 in the Kansas Kansas City Star. In 1946, this is kind of crazy to me, 
1946, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers studied the Hornet light, but could not find a cause for it. In their words, it was a mysterious light of unknown origin. Early residents of the area reported seeing lights in the woods, over their land, or even in their yards. During the 1960s, a general store in Hornet gave out information about the light to sightseers. It included a spook light museum. Various establishments along the Missouri-Oklahoma state line have served a similar function, but have since closed. During the 1960s and 1970s, the roads where the spook light usually appeared were often packed with parked vehicles and people hoping to get a glimpse of the mysterious light. Do you ever go out there? No, I didn't even know about it. Yeah. Uh, to get a good view of the light, park on Oklahoma East 50 Road, four miles south of the tri-state junction of Kansas, Missouri, and Oklahoma, and look to the west. Um, so I have to include this little bit that, about an investigation that I found on Wikipedia because this was one of my two favorite professors in college, and I can completely see him doing this because he's super into, like, Celtic folklore and stuff like that. And so I guarantee you that this is the same Alan Rice. Um, he's the most – he made all of the literature classes I, take, I took with him so much fun. Like, he's super animated. He, like – number one, he made Frasier references. So, like oh. – that right there, like he's got to give him credit. Yeah, he's the best. Um, he's the one who said that the reason that Frasier works as a series so well, like as one of the greatest comedy series of all time, is because they took the most obnoxious character on Cheers and they created someone even more obnoxious than him for him to interact with, which is Niles. <laughs> so, yes. yeah, he, he has this whole like theory about why Frasier works and stuff, and it's like my favorite thing ever, but yeah. So, here we go. In 2014, Professor Alan Rice of the University of Central Oklahoma investigated the spook light with a team of investigators called the Boomers and discovered its source as car headlights and taillights nine miles west of the viewing spot. He conducted an experiment with the Boomers and was able to recreate a light with the headlights of a car from the junction of E-50 and State Highway 137 located south of Quapaw. So, cool deal, Ms., uh, Professor Rice. That's so cool. Dr. Rice, he's like, he was such a great teacher. Um, my other favorite teacher was, uh, I guess I have three, because Dr. Adams was like one of my favorites. But in the literature department, my other favorite was uh, Gladys Lewis. Oh. She was the best. Like, she was so, so, so good. I loved her. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's about all I have for you about the Will of the Wisps. But spooky season is almost upon us, and you might spot one of these out one night. Uh, be careful. Don't follow it or do, and let me know how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for being my guest tonight when I'm recording super late. Thank you very much for having me. You are so welcome. Um, and I wanted to thank everybody again who came out to the book signing. That was super, super fun. And I've had some people comment and ask, like, if I'm going to do another one and all that. And I will, and I will do a lot more to promote the next one because this one was kind of like a dry run for me to like get the feel of it and like figure out is this going to be successful you know whatever and it was very successful so I'm definitely doing that again in the future so no worries there will be one of those again so um but in the meantime if you want to support me go ahead and go buy some of my books on Amazon uh, under Marnie Vinge it helps support me it helps support the podcast um there's also merchandise on irioki.com and follow me at Irioki on Instagram. Facebook is the same. And join the group, Iriokis. Stay spooky. Ah.